Welcome to the Gifted Neurodivergent Podcast, a podcast dedicated to the exploration and cultivation of the outside genius found in neurodivergence. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Gifted Neurodivergent Podcast. My name is Lillian Skinner, and today we're going to talk about reframing, procrastination, and rumination because people have them wrong. I hate getting on here and being like, I don't know what everybody's thinking, but I'm going to do it yet again. We are wired for spatial giftedness. We are wired for multiple perspectives. We are wired in a different way. This week I was reading an article and the article described how autistic people had memory challenges, broad memory challenges. And specifically they were talking about how we didn't memorize faces. And I am one of these people. I don't memorize people's faces because I kind of do holistically. So while I might remember a face, it's not the main thing I actually take away from that person. What I take away from that person is everything, how their voice sounded, the height that they were at, their whole physical presence, the emotional states that I felt from them, the intensity of that person. We are not walking around looking for average. We're looking for ourselves and other people. And so we're wired to find that. It's not that we are deficient, it's that we use our sensing, our higher sensing differently. And that's what makes us novel thinkers. That's what makes us creative. We have higher creativity because our sensing comes in differently than average. Average is average. It's the the middle part. We're the outliers. So of course, yes, but why we have researchers constantly saying we're deficient when they haven't figured out what we're doing it's mind-boggling to me. It's, it's actually negligence to me. Why are we not a part of this? Why are we not saying this? Every time I get in front of people and I say this, I'm sort of ushered out of the room and I just think, oh my gosh, you don't actually want us to be healthy. You're totally happy with us being dysfunctional and broken because your science is wrong and you're harming us greatly. That's negligence. And I put my head in my hands and I want to cry for the kids out there who are lower functioning because they're doing so much more damage than they are good. The reason we don't see people's faces, because I'm one of them, is that it is a lot for me to look into somebody's eyes. And although I have been programmed to do it, I will still do it, but I can't do it too long. And when I do it, I get overwhelmed. So then I stop. But I don't actually notice people's faces nearly as much as I hear the tone of their voice. I actually feel them. So we're not noticing people's faces because we're noticing everything else about them. That's why we don't look at people's faces. I know, huge, monumental, I don't know why this isn't well known for everyone and that the researchers haven't figured this out, but hello, we're higher sensing. So we use our sensing more so than we use just staring at faces. If I lost my higher sensing in other ways, I would probably be staring at faces more so, but because my sensing is so high, I don't need to. This is not a deficiency, this is a difference. And let's talk about strength-based stuff because I feel like We just don't really get that strength-based stuff because we're still trying to make us use the strengths that are identified as average or in average people, and our strengths are different. We have tons of extra sensory abilities that we don't want to talk about and we don't recognize, but that's actually how we move through the world. And I'm not talking about like, oh my gosh, we're all psychics, although we probably are. What I'm talking about is that we use our extra high sensing to move through the world. So When you want to talk about our strengths, if you're not actually talking about our higher sensing, then you're not talking about our strengths. And that's a problem. Because here's why. I'm going to use procrastination and rumination on this. Now, I'm going to throw my hat in the ring on the five million zillion procrastination ideas or theories that are out there. And they're mostly negative. Holy cow, they're negative. They just keep talking about how we just don't have the fortitude or we don't have this or that or we don't have the mental stamina 
it's like, my goodness, people, this is what it really is. At least it is for me. I'm not an expert. I'm just a person who lives this and we have experts on it who don't live this. So don't really have a clue. But anyways, I'm not an expert. I have to say that. So this non-expert knows that their brain has procrastination as me looking at the many perspectives that I see for when I'm going to write something or when I'm going to do something. And usually my procrastinating is around writing. It's usually around the things that I actually don't mind doing. I actually like writing. But the problem for me writing is that I can see so many different ways to look at a situation or a problem or or, um, anything, anything you give me and that I don't know which one to write up first. And this was fascinating, actually, when I was um, an auditor and an ethical hacker, because when I was doing those things, the many different perspectives is exactly what I was supposed to see, right? It was supposed to see the risk. And so it worked out pretty well for me. And I, I enjoyed that. But now they've pretty much taken that away so that there's not that much latitude. And now they have to just do it the way they want you to do it. And that makes you not able to see all those perspectives. You have to see it in their perspective. And that's where the exhausting part comes in. So for me, procrastination ends up being this. And I see this with my children too. We are all wired this way. Our procrastination is our trying to figure out what perspectives to use in our brain. I write every paper, every book, everything I've ever written in advance in my head. I don't write it down on paper. In fact, writing it on paper actually is too slow. My brain moves so quickly that I need to write it down in my head. And then I sort of sketch an outline and then I talk it. And when I'm doing a podcast, I will do this over and over again. I will do five different podcasts into my phone while I'm driving around or sitting around or walking. Because guess what? When we're moving around, our dopamine's going, we're, we're higher functioning, and that's when our best ideas come to us. So those of us who are neurodivergent, those of us who have high energy, those of us who have, and I have ADS and I still have like pretty high energy, but I, my body doesn't have a lot of muscle stamina. So there's the difference on that. When I have to prepare something, I will walk around, I will get moving, I will do something that's like sort of monotonous, like making something so that my brain has that freedom to just ping pong around and come up with connections. That's how it works for us. That's how it is for a lot of us with ADHD. We're very good at multiple perspectives. We're big picture thinkers. My brain is autistic and ADHD, so I get it both detailed and the big picture. And I think there's a lot more people out there who do not realize that their brains are this way. Those of us who have people orientation, who have emotions, giftedness, we're going to have more outgoingness, more understanding of people, and we won't always present as autistic. I see this with a lot of times. They're finally now starting to understand it because my physical sensitivity is so high. I was finally diagnosed, but it was, you know, after being told I was a hundred other things and they were all negative. And that was a pleasure. Thank you, medical system. You're awesome. I wanted to go then, once we have nailed that down, that this is multiple perspectives, this is part of the spatial giftedness, we have the ability to see spatially in math, music, emotion, and that math is also artistic, and the music is rhythm, and the emotion is people, it's history, social, etc. And then when we move to um, procrastination, when we move to rumination, I share this with people and they will say to me, you changed my life with that rumination thing. And so again, this is my theory. It is part of the spatial giftedness. When I was working in corporate America, when I was working in my jobs in high school, I would have bad dreams of forgetting something big. I was a server in college and I had ruminations that I forgot a table for an hour because it was in the weeds and I couldn't even get to them. And I still will sometimes have that when I'm very stressed out. I remember at nighttime worrying about who was upset with me and who wasn't and having to make it right. I ruminated, ruminated, ruminated. When I finally got it working on my own, my ruminating went in a totally different direction. It was more benign. 
is much more valuable to me. And I realized, oh, you know what I'm doing? I'm actually writing my freaking podcasts. I'm writing my, my papers. I'm redoing my resume in my head. I'm Instead of all these negative things that I used to have, which you have to make sure you're pleasing this person because this person's your boss or this person is upset with you and you need to work for them. I spent so much time ruminating all the bad stuff because that was in my face all the day and I was never working in my strengths. I was always working in my weaknesses because I was an outlier and so I wasn't fitting in because I never did fit in and I'm never going to fit in. But once I realized, stop focusing on the things that you're not and start focusing on the things that you are. And I was working for myself. I worked with people but I still, I was my own boss. So that left me so much freer to have space in my brain that wasn't trying to make sure I didn't upset someone. Because I grew up in trauma. I grew up in a place where if I upset people, my life was on the line. I felt physically and emotionally abandoned. Possibly my life was on the line. So I couldn't really make it low. I mean, it was encoded into my brain very young, that I had to be copacetic, I had to get along with the group, I had to be the one who delivered for everyone and never asked anything back. To go into the real world with that, if you had parents like that who you shamed and made you responsible for their emotions, then you're gonna have a lot of ruminating. And I'm sorry about that, but it is a good thing actually. It's a brilliance, it's your spatial giftedness, and it's you pulling all the sensing data that you had during the day or during that week and making the picture multidimensional. There is studies that show that people with trauma have perspective changes, shifts after they've had an interaction, whereas people without trauma maintain the same 2D perspective. And this goes back to what I talked about last week where I was saying that I could feel the emotions of people when they were not genuine to what they were displaying on the outside. And I didn't realize I was the only one that could do that or I didn't realize how much I could do that. I thought everybody who knew that they were being fake and it was like acceptable and actually desirable to be fake But now I realize, because I'm older and that's how it works, I don't need to be fake. It's a gift very few people have. Very few people can tell when someone's being fake. When I'm in a situation, if the person is being somewhat authentic, I'm not quite sure because there's so many inputs I'm taking. So I'll be like, well, that was an okay conversation. I think it was pretty decent. I think it went well. But then as the day goes by and the next day and the next day, I'll notice you know, they were nagging me a lot or they were they were staring up at the ceiling or the filter will come to a more complete picture. And I'll notice that actually was a really bad meeting. The person was really rude to me. They did a lot of underhanded things and they weren't really paying attention nor did they listen to me and they misunderstood me in these areas. When I left that, I got their fake 2D version. And when I left, I thought, oh, that meeting went okay. But the Morgan Freeman voice in the background two days later goes, that meeting hadn't gone okay. That person is not out for me. That person is not going to help me. I have to be wary of that person. It's funny because even in my dreams, sometimes I'll have a realization and I'll wake up with, don't trust that person or make sure you go do that. Or you must make sure that this happens because this will happen and that will happen. And it's our brains ruminating, essentially, trying to put that full picture together so it has multi-dimensions and that we can understand the situation better. My son said yesterday, my husband and I were talking to him and he said, Dad, did you do what mom said? And he goes, you know, I always do what mom said. He said, yeah, because mom's always right. And they don't mean I'm always right, as in I'm always the one who has to be right. They mean I'm the one who's accurate. I am right about people. I know people. I feel people. I understand them on a level that is freaky. I don't really want to be that way. It's just the way I am. So I'm going to use it because why the heck wouldn't I? That'd be stupid. But that's what they actually think we're supposed to do is not use our giftedness in understanding people. Ridiculous. Of course, I'm going to use that. That's what I'm doing here right now is I'm showing you what I know about myself, what I know about others and how that comes together. And it is a great thing. We have lost this gift. We do not cultivate it. We pretend it doesn't exist. 
And so we have all these people, we have psychology that is literally broken and thinks that people who are spatially gifted don't have these gifts. They just pretend they don't. So then they put you all in mental hospitals because you actually have higher abilities in areas and ways of seeing, and they just pretend it's all 2D. It's not all 2D. That's what they're doing so that they can control you, so that they can make you work harder than everyone else, so that you don't even realize how gifted you really are. That is disgusting and sad. And you need to realize how amazing you are. To recap, this is going to be kind of a short one because I don't need to go too far into it. We have spatial giftedness. And as a result, we have our brain moving, going, doing, thinking all the time in ways other people don't. People will say to me, does your brain ever turn off? If I go, no, should it? That must be exhausting. It's not exhausting. Actually, I like it. My brain has energy. It gives me energy. Yes, it probably is really a glucose suck, but it still gives me a lot of energy having all this going on. I don't feel bad about it. It's great. I always know what's going on. I always know what I need to do next. I have moved through the world from poverty to stability because I am spatially gifted. It is because I could see all the different scenarios and it was because I could get ahead of it and it was because I knew what was coming next. I don't know 100%. I mean, that's ridiculous. You're still guessing because you're looking at the patterns of the past and the present and then trying to foresight them into the future. But it's still a gift that I have. It's still a gift that many of us have. It's still a gift that my daughter, who's a math savant, has. She sees it, though, and hers translates to numbers. My sister, who's a music savant, has. She sees it, and it translates to rhythm and words and music. And mine translates to people and patterns and how they're thinking and how they're going to act and react. It's really cool. It makes me a great parent. It makes me a good wife. It makes me many things. And I think that if you're also like me, Kudos to you. Let's go into that. Don't feel sad about it. Be proud of it. It's an amazing gift. If you're like my daughter, same. Everybody's going to love you. And if you're like my sister, awesome. Let's figure out a way to maximize that because our system does not teach us, those of us who are spatially gifted. It lets us lay fallow. I go into these profoundly gifted retreats and these children, their parents are crying and struggling. And it's, of course they are. There's nothing out there for them. They don't fit into the system, but that's okay. Things are breaking down. And when your kid doesn't fit into the system, that means they make their own way and other people join them and they will be the natural leaders of the future. And that's what I've been saying over and over. We have to go our own way now. We have to go our own way because we're meant to. The system is not meant to serve the most sensitive. It's meant to exploit us all. And the most sensitive feel that. They know that. That is why they're so upset and sad and depressed. Our brain is trying to protect us. It's saying, hey, do not let them exploit you. Do not do this. It's not in your best interest. It's going to wear you out. It's going to kill you. Don't go into that. Those of us who have trauma, we're too aware of these patterns. And so when we're in the workforce and we're being traumatized in a lower grade level, we're like, why am I so upset? Why am I ruminating about this? Why am I procrastinating on everything? Well, it's because you're trying to find the exact right perspective to do your work and you're thinking about why all that stuff is going on because your brain has already knows these patterns and knows the trauma of these patterns and saying the way your boss is treating you as if you're disposable is not good. It is not kind. It is also dangerous to you because your livelihood is on the line. It's no different than living with someone who is a predator. We have this whole tiger image. Oh, they say, oh, you don't need to worry about the tiger. The tiger is in the jungle. And now that we've cleansed the jungle of tigers or you're in a village and we protect you. But guess what? The tiger is your boss. The tiger is your teacher. The tiger is your parents, unfortunately. 
And the tiger lives with you and is drooling on you. And your brain's screaming, you know, there's a tiger next to you drooling on you. And the second it can, it's going to do something that harms you. And that harm thing may be more mental now than it is physical. But in my case as a child, it was physical. So if you had a parent who used physical punishment, your brain is still thinking the tiger's going to try to eat you. And the tiger's your boss, your parent, your teacher, your spouse in some cases, etc. So you have to make sure that you take care of yourself you figure out a way to get out of this system and that you figure out a way to be your own boss and work with people who are kind and giving and loving like you. That is the biggest thing. That is why we need to build a group together because we love deeply. We are going to be hurt by others because we want to trust. We want to invest in others. We want it to be fair. I am really, really bad. Things are not fair. I hurt. I will give my own parts away. I will give my own salary away to make them fair, even though that's unfair to me because I cannot move through the world with injustices of being occurring and not being rectified. That's just not how it works for me. I am definitely a sensitive person. I feel everyone. And that is the drawback of being me when there are plenty of amazing benefits. But the drawback is that I want to live in a fair world. We know that gifted kids need the fair world. We know that the neurodivergent gifted kids are like the extreme version of this. Embrace this. Be proud of it. Go into it. But let's figure out a way to make you a safe place, a place where you can reach your full potential, where people are not going to be exploiting you, where people are going to be mutually beneficial. I was listening to this futurist, Stephen Fry, and he was saying that there was a competition being unleashed for the eight great needs of the future and that we as humans love competition. And I thought, we don't love competition. No, capitalism loves competition. Hierarchy loves competition. They love to make us fight it out for their pleasure and enjoyment and so they don't have to pay us as much. But truthfully, if we were in a true healthy environment, a healthy economy, a healthy situation, a healthy society, then we would be able to commit to each other. We'd be able to work together. We would not be fighting and competing. That's not a natural state for us. Our natural state is actually to get along, to work together, and to not have hierarchy. That is the extreme natural best state for us, and that's what the most gifted neurodivergent sensitive people need. All right, that's my podcast for this week. I hope it was beneficial to you. If you have any questions or you have any feedback on that, feel free to come back on me. I want to know if you think I'm absolutely wrong, and I want to know if you think I'm absolutely right. But I'm telling you that rumination thing changed my life. Ruminating is not a bad thing. It's just you building your complete picture, your multidimensional picture. Procrastination is not a bad thing. It's just you going through the perspectives in your brain and saying, oh, which one should I go with? How should I build this? Because I'm telling you, I have all my papers pretty much written in the back of my brain. And when I put pen to paper, it goes all sideways. So I usually speak it out because that's how it works for me. It just works better. My brain is linear when I'm talking more so than when I'm writing. I know that's crazy because my brain's not that linear. But this is part of our high connections, our money perspectives. This is why ADHDers bounce all around. We have so many perspectives. You can be like, oh, oh, I can see it this way. I can see it that way. I can see it this way. This is also part of my perfectionism. I see so many perspectives in everything that I do that I don't know which ones to shoot for. And since I'm usually making it for someone else, not my consumption, because then I don't care and I can write all day. But when I'm making it for someone else, then I'm paralyzed. And procrastination and paralyzation and perfectionism all go together. And rumination does too. It's just the opposite side of that coin. Thanks so much for listening. Take care. The views, information, and opinions expressed on this podcast are solely those of the individuals involved and do not necessarily represent Gifted ND Incorporated, Lillian Skinner, or the Gifted Neurodivergent Podcast. This podcast, Lillian Skinner, and Gifted ND Incorporated are not responsible and do not verify the accuracy of the information contained in this podcast series. The primary purpose of this podcast is to inform and educate.
The Gift and Neurodivergent podcast is only available for private, non-commercial use. Any other use of the information contained within this podcast must be done with express written approval and knowledge of Lillian Skinner. You may not edit, modify, or redistribute any part of this podcast. The developer assumes no liability for this podcast or its use on any other podcast or other media.